1: It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, what, no midweek game to look back on? It's true. Uh, Chelsea have a date at the Palace on Saturday. We've got just the man to profile the oppo. We check in with the lone army, and there's the latest instalment of our much vaunted quiz, available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. How you doing, then, listeners? Still on top of the world? Good. Uh, it's me, Matt Davis Adams, back in your lugs alongside two of the athletics finest, uh, Simon Johnson, back from Abu Dhabi and looking resplendent and tanned.
2: <laughs> I, I saw the sun from the back of a taxi. That's what you mean. Although I did, I did get sunburn on my, on the top of my head. Uh, and those of you that that know my glorious disposition. Uh, Actually, you probably think I need a bit of tan up there, uh, given I haven't got any hair. Um, But it was during the course of listening to Petr Cech talk for 45 minutes. So it was worth it as far as I was concerned.
1: (laughs) Uh, Lots of great content. It sounds like you you, you had fun out there and obviously got the right result in the end.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I have to say for a number of reasons. Um, Once all the COVID... It's a bit of fun and games with the COVID testing over there, uh, which is an added stress. Um, But... um, I loved being at the final. I loved being um, in mixed zones again. It's the first first time I've been in a mixed zone for two years. If anyone's listening doesn't doesn't know what I'm talking about, that's where, as a journalist, you can actually um, talk to players post-match. And, and it's not even just um, talking to players. You, you get to sort of see behind the scenes people, what they're doing, interacting, et cetera. Sort of brief flash of owner Roman Abramovich walking through as if he hadn't just won the FIFA Club World Cup, to be honest with you. I think he was more focused on on getting out of the stadium without being hassled by one of us. Um, And and one of the highlights of, uh, well, I wouldn't say my year because the year's only just started, but I really enjoyed covering a local UAE Pro League game, uh, which is a piece I wrote about. It was uh, great fun actually meeting the genuine locals, not sort of just some Westerners and expats and stuff. Um, that was great fun and, and something I'll always remember.
1: Uh, all that content is available up on The Athletic now. Uh, Dominic Firefield's also with us, like me, showing the pale and pasty features of a man trapped on this cursed isle we laughably call Great Britain. Uh, how are you doing, Dom? <laughs> looking forward to yes, Saturday's game?
3: Yes, we obviously need a, a trip to the Emirates just to just to boost our, our skin colour. Um, am I looking... No, I hate this fixture. This is the worst fixture of the year for me. I absolutely <laughs> loathe it. I can't stand it. It's uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> it rarely produces anything that makes me smile.
1: <laughs> well, that's a nice tee-up for our first topic today. <laughs> We're going to talk about Saturday's London derby. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Chelsea then. It goes down at three o'clock UK time on Saturday at Selhurst Park, the Eagles. 13th in the table after a goalless draw at Brentford last time out. Chelsea still third despite not playing... Last weekend. Uh, Simon, we're talking pre-Thomas Tuchel's pre-match presser, but we know that Mason Mount's going to be out, right? Might we see a a return of Rhys James here?
2: Um, Well, the last time you asked me that question, I said he was going to be out in the FIFA Club, which eventually he was on, but just just as a spectator and to be a part of it. I'd be surprised um, if he starts or anything like that. Uh, We might see him on the bench, simply because he's gone so long without playing. And they they won't want to just rush him straight back, but um, but yeah, Mason Mount, not unsurprisingly, because I um, the TV cameras picked up that his that his right ankle was, was heavily strapped. I saw him leave the stadium on on Saturday in crutches on crutches, and I asked him, you know, sort of how bad is it, and he, he didn't give a very positive reply. So um, if he's only out for a couple of weeks, though, I, I think that's that's still a, a bonus under the circumstances. Although for him, that will be a blow um because it's probable that he won't be in the league cup final either. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek who wasn't um I think he was one of the only must have been the only player that didn't make the trip. Um he's back in training after an Achilles uh, sort of minor Achilles issue. Um so he might be available again but um but Chelsea pretty much um full strength as uh, yeah virtually full strength otherwise.
1: Dominic, it actually, it worked out quite well for Chelsea. Obviously, they won the Club World Cup. They've got a bit of sun on their backs. But but in terms of the other teams around them, and I'm talking below rather than above, nobody picked up a win last weekend, did they? Spurs got beaten, Arsenal didn't play. Well, Manchester United won midweek, but West Ham dropped points at Leicester too. So so it's not as if people have caught up massive ground on them in, in the race for the top four, and they're still looking pretty well placed for that.
3: Absolutely right. It's, uh, it's funny that we're, we're now talking along those lines I mean, there was there was a spell where we obviously were, were looking higher with with Chelsea and um you know Manchester City continue to to win games and they're sort of into the middle distance now uh, away from away from Thomas Tuchel's team um and you could argue that Liverpool are also breaking free slightly but so if you, if, if that means that the the, almost the motivation is has switched just to, to securing that top four place. Yeah, they, they, they didn't lose ground. I mean, that, that draw with with Brighton was effectively one of the games that they were going to play. The other one was Arsenal, um, which will be a big opportunity for Chelsea to open up um, space again between them and one of the chasing pack. But they haven't lost out. I would have thought they would have benefited really from everything they've done over the last three or four weeks with the winter break, which was a chance for them to catch their breath. The FA Cup tie was okay. It was a bit of a, a slug to get that, that win against Plymouth, but they, they got through it and they gave people some game time to get back into the swing of things. And then two matches over in Abu Dhabi just to yeah, to keep people fresh, to get Romelu Lukaku scoring again. There are lots of positives. And you know this, this week now is probably the first time that Thomas Tuchel has had a full week um without a game to work with his entire squad since probably early November. So I mean, if you're a Crystal Palace supporter, this is dreadful timing. <laughs> Cause quite frankly, he'll get all the tactics right and he'll work on things this week. So there you go.
2: Yeah, just just a quick add, you know, to sort of feed in some Abby Dabby kind of sentiment was that um one of the things I can reveal that that Petr Cech was talking about was that he said it felt like pre season, like a pre season camp. Um, and he was talking about it in a, in a positive fashion. He was saying, compared to the Club World Cup in uh, 2012, he said it was a real miserable experience, um, for most of the squad. In fact, it kind of explained why they played the way they did out there, that the vast majority weren't enjoying it, didn't want to be there wait to get home sort of thing whereas this was the complete opposite it's you know in, in Tokyo it was winter a bit miserable Abu Dhabi 25 degrees they get to be by the pool when they're not training glorious training ground right next to this magnificent mosque which if you've seen the Twitter pictures or the pictures that Chelsea put out made you know really amazing I think it's the third biggest in the world it's a stunning location uh, and they clearly loved it out there. And I think since they've been back, they've all gone out for dinner as a squad to celebrate the the club World Cup win. And you really got a sense of its reinstilled belief, enthusiasm. It's given them a, a, a kickstart. This could all backfire horrifically on Saturday, of <laughs> course. But but you really got a sense that that this was this was a really positive trip for them. In, in so many ways people will still talk about the football they played etc but I think the result was was the m- most important thing they've come back with the trophy um, and just like the Super Cup win which preceded a Crystal Palace victory Chelsea will hope that uh, lightning strikes twice
3: In fact that contrast with 2012 is worth labouring the point a bit I mean you have to bear in mind that Chelsea were in a right mess when they went to to Tokyo. They'd lost Roberto Di Matteo. Rafa Benitez had come in and and nobody, certainly the supporters didn't seem to want him. There was... A, there was Simon a, didn't want him, we know Simon that. Simon didn't want him, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> there was open mutiny in the stands at some of those games. I mean, the City and the Fulham games at the beginning of his, his tenure were miserable occasions. Um, and, of course, they'd already been eliminated from the Champions League. So they were facing a uh, that sort of December time, um, going into the new year, with Europa League football to look forward to, um, and clearly no title challenge either. So, although they were competing in, dom- in domestic cup competitions as well, it, it was a it was a low point, and you know the, the, the defeat they suffered to Corinthians in the final when they failed to deal with a Brazilian low block um, rather sort of set the tone. Um, or rather maintain the tone let's say whereas now we've got Thomas Tuchel whose who's t- team have found a way to get past similarly stubborn Brazilian opponents um, and they go back into a domestic campaign where they, they've they still got plenty to look forward to a League Cup final a continued FA Cup run um, Champions League defence starting again against Lille next week um and just just lots going on. It I can see why it will be an upturn, and I can see why there will be a, a real spring in their step, and then some optimism as to what what's to follow.
1: Spring in their step, maybe as well, Simon, of, of Romelu Lukaku. It's going to be fascinating to see whether you know the Club World Cup w- was an aberration or if this is the kickstart that we've been waiting for for him.
2: Yeah, and I spoke to Didier Drogba about about it. it, was, it was great to see him. He was um, he was there at the at the final, and. Um, I thought who better to talk to about Romelu Lukaku than the guy that went through a very similar thing. You know, people forget that in the first couple of years he wasn't playing particularly great by his very very high standards. Um he was making regular fairly regular sort of comments about wanting to leave. The fans didn't particularly like him because uh, mainly because of his sort of play acting and sort of was accused of of diving etc. So yeah and and they have a very special bond the two of them. Um and and Didier thinks that well he was actually sticking up for Romelu he thinks he's doing pretty well. But he he did acknowledge that this this could be a crucial goal for him it could be a turning point now he's referring to the goal in the final. I mean the semi-final the body language I found quite interesting when he scored. He didn't look particularly happy he wasn't sort of celebrating and and sort of I've scored my drought's over because he he don't he's only other goal since the interview was against Chesterfield, but that, that headed goal, was that that's what he was signed for. It, I thought he was an absolute class header, and I think that did sort of strike a chord more with him. I think that, that got him going. So, yeah, if if out of the Club World Cup, an added bonus is Lukaku who sort of recovered some of his confidence. Um, it's, it's another sort of thing that they'll reflect back on perhaps at the end of the season as a, as a great trip for another reason.
1: Let's talk Palace then, Dom. What's the beef at the moment? Seems like everybody's been quick to, to praise Vieira Ball, but I know you, you're yet to win a league game this year.
2: Yeah,
3: we've only won two in 13. I think it is 11 points from the last 13 matches. Um, it's it's born of a few things. It's definitely a season of transition. Massive, massive change in style from the, the very pragmatic low block of a Roy Hodgson solid setup to something more expansive under Patrick Vieira. I mean, Chelsea's... Game against Palace at Stamford Bridge on the opening day of the season was completely unreflective of how Palace have been playing since. Um, however, after after a very promising sort of autumn, they they lost a couple of players to to injury, uh, which disrupted things in midfield. Um, I think a few of the players have gone slightly off the boil, only slightly. But again, it's all been it's been a contributory factor in terms of the. the the absentees of, of experienced players like Cicchiato at AFCON and James Macarthur with a ripped hamstring, um, I, I expect that when those guys come back in, and they probably will come back in on Saturday, that that in time they will get back into solid mid-table um, and the next phase of the team's development will, will be kick-started. But at the moment it's a bit... It's funny because people look at it and people assume that Palace have had a really good season. They've actually got fewer points than they had at this stage last season under Roy Hodgson. And um, I think some of the decisions that are being made in terms of selection and in-game substitutions are are questionable because we've got a a management staff that's learning on the hoof as well at this level. They're, they're, They're inexperienced. It's completely understandable. And new players, all of those players who came in the summer are Trying to find their feet and and at this level and establish themselves at this level, um, they won five games all season, which which isn't a great tally. Uh, they haven't lost many, but um, it's it's very much a let's get through the season, see how far they can get into mid table, and then kick on again in the summer with with the next wave of of recruitment. And I mean, I should I should make the point that of of those guys. There's a Chelsea contingent there. I mean, Conor Gallagher has had some excellent moments. Was very, very good up till what we think was a COVID uh, test in, um, in sort of around the Christmas time, which has affected him. He's not been quite the same in recent weeks. So Palace never confirmed COVID cases, but the suggestion is that he he did actually have a, a dose of the virus, and he's still a goal threat. He's still very, very good um, and industrious in that midfield. But the one that's really caught my eye this year has been Mark. Gay, who's who's been superb. People will focus on the the occasional errors that he's that he's made in the box, usually with handballs. I mean, not least at Brentford last week, where he was spared by a slight push in the back from conceding another penalty. But those errors stand out because they're they're not many of them. He is his standards have been absolutely outstanding for a first year of of prolonged. Premier League football and he, he looks like a natural leader of, of, of men. Um he'll be a future captain of that team. And in terms of his development, he's he feels like almost the next centre back on the waiting to get into that England setup because he's he's been class.
2: Don, just a quick question. Um you're talking about the the, the record is is worse than than Roy Hodgson at this time last year, but is there a sense among palace fans, et cetera, that they're enjoying the football though a lot more that that you know despite the sort of disappointing run recently that there is a general sort of sense of yeah, but at least at least sort of like we're being entertained every week
3: absolutely. and if if you if you have the audacity to point out some of the deficiencies of of the the management staff and the decisions that are being made, then you're lambasted probably quite rightly by by the supporter base um because they, They've enjoyed the changes that have been instigated. Um, the, the the attacking side of the game. I mean, Palace. Uh, I went to the, the the Norwich game last week. Palace had 72% of the ball. They had marginally more of the ball that day than Manchester City did when they went to Carrow Road on Saturday. Okay, they didn't create City's 21 chances, but okay. but you know, Palace don't do that in the in the top flight. They haven't done it across any of their this would be the ninth year in this stint in the in the top division. They they don't dominate possession like that. I don't expect them to do that against Chelsea at the weekend. But but look at the personnel that Patrick Vieira has got to to choose from in forward areas now. I mean, Michael Aliso has been absolutely outstanding, taking his first steps at this level again. So there will be an inconsistency there. But he's he's another ex-Chelsea youth team player. The connections go on. He's been brilliant. Um, Wilfred Zaha is back now from, from AFCON and scored an absolute belter at, at Carrow Road. You've got three strikers competing for one place in in Eduard Mateta and Benteke. And you could put any of them in. They're all interchangeable, really. Um, with, uh, they offer slightly different... Strengths and and weaknesses, but you know, I mean, I was looking at P- Benteke's record against Chelsea. I mean, you'd, you'd pick him against them every day of the week, but he probably won't. Um, it, it probably will be a Mateta. There's a lot to like about this setup, um, and and the, the progressive nature of the football they're playing or attempting to play. It's just that striking that balance between being expansive, being forward thinking, and actually having that bit of. Streetwise now to get you the results, which is what the previous Palace team okay, they didn't do it against Chelsea, but they did it against enough teams in the Premier League to survive every year very comfortably. Um, and that's maybe what they're lacking a bit of that bit of ruthlessness, that that slightly bit of that that canniness to to know you know when to, to how to manage a game, let's put it like that. Um, and I suspect that you know when they come up against streetwise teams, they tend to suffer, and and Chelsea may well be that on Saturday, but. Generally speaking, the whole club and the team is moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, they certainly haven't got a great recent record against Chelsea, by which I mean they've lost the last eight home and away, have Palace. So we'll see if that record continues on Saturday. We will, of course, react to that game in Monday's
4: show. Next, though, we're going to check in with the Loan Army. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: Uh, right. Ridiculously, listener, I titled this section in the script Only the Lonely, which means I've had Only the Lonely by Elvis Presley stuck in my head for the last 48 hours. Of that. But that's on me, though. Um, so we'll move on swiftly. Uh, Conor Gallagher's not going to be involved. Uh, we mentioned him already on Saturday. Can't play against his parent club. Dom, you mentioned briefly there that maybe he's gone off the boil a little bit, you know, because of... Reasons totally out of his control. Do you think Palace will go in for another loan for him next season? If Presuming that Chelsea don't want to sell him, might that be an option?
3: I I think that Palace and Chelsea... Palace will certainly be in dialogue with Chelsea pretty regularly over the summer months to to, to find out what their plans are for Conor Gallagher. And if there is any hint, any chance that he might be available either permanently or on loan... And I, I doubt there will be, but if there is any chance, they, they will attempt to be right at the front of the queue to, to bring him back because he's he has, for a long period, he personified the type of energy and industry that Patrick Vieira wanted in this team. He was the main man. And when I, when I say he's had a dip, he's only had a dip because his standards were so high before Christmas. I mean, he he the goal that he scored this year at Brighton was an unbelievable move I've never seen the likes of which summoned by a Palace team ever it involved touches from every single member of the Palace team um, 20 touch, 20 passes before he converted with a really really smart finish by the way, um, at the end of it all and, and that that sums him up He's he's got that Lampard-esque ability to, to be in the box at the right time, to time that run and to time the shot with a real accuracy and a pace and an aggression and I think he'll I think he'll be at Chelsea next year and he'll make his mark at Chelsea but um if if there's any doubt over that then Palace will be pushing heaven and earth to try and get him back
1: somebody else who might be at Chelsea I guess next season Simon is Armando Breuer, which is what producer Lucy's Albanian friend told us we should be calling him Breuer. um maybe the biggest success actually over the course of the whole season, got his eighth goal of the campaign uh, against Spurs earlier this month. Southampton seemed pretty intent on, on making him a full-time Saint. Is that is that still their stance? And, and what are Chelsea thinking about it? Probably looking at the likes of Werner and Pulisic who, who've underwhelmed and thought, well, maybe this guy can, can fill one of their places.
2: Yeah, and Southampton aren't the only ones. Um, it seems like a different club every day is being linked with Breo. Um and, and understandably so, he's one of the best young strikers in Europe. I think last season on loan at, at Vitesse, he'd scored the most goals for his age range in the top five leagues of, in Europe. He he has taken his game, his progress is remarkable because I saw him in an under-23s game just before lockdown, so a couple of years ago. I was actually there to watch Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who was obviously on the combat trail, um, and I remember looking at Bray and going, "Yeah, he's he's all right, you know, he's he's all right. Um, certainly got something. But in two years, my word, is he coming on leaps and bounds? He, he's he's just his confidence levels, his speed, um, the way he's. I mean, Harry Maguire has been made to look foolish a number of times this season, but he, he, you know, in many ways. Um, but um, but he he absolutely made a mockery of of Harry Maguire in the game against United. Chelsea, I mean, in my opinion, Chelsea should do everything they can to persuade this guy to stay. They did brilliantly to get him to sign that five-year contract. But what concerns me is that if you look at saleable assets Chelsea have and the easiest deals to do, they will be for Broyer and Conor Gallagher, not for Christian Pulisic and Timo Werner. Because these are the hot guys, these are the guys that clubs want. Not the not the guys that are struggling to perform and are on massive wages. They want the the up and coming stars. Um so I think there will be a concern, certainly among the Chelsea fan base, that Chelsea might cash in again like they did last summer, including a buyback clause to slightly, you know, dilute the, the angst. Um because if you're bro you'd be thinking, I could start for most teams in in the league and possibly a lot of teams in Europe. Why, why do I wanna play second fiddle to Lukaku and Kai Havertz? Um, which is what would happen even if Pulisic and Werner go. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one and Chelsea were doing, I'm sure they be doing their utmost to persuade him to, to stick around because um, if it was me, he'd it, be in the squad on a regular basis next season, and, and used a lot. I have to say
3: that he's. The Thing that really blew me away about Broja was, was the presence he had on the pitch. Yeah. Again, an, an aggression to his game. He, he was bullying defenders in, in the air, um, quicker quicker than I'd anticipated on, across the turf as well. But he just he looked like a player. That felt he was a Chelsea player wearing a Southampton shirt. <laughs> this, this is I, I, I'm better than this, and that he had that attitude about him, and and yeah, I, I was, I was, I mean, look, he, he looks a he looks a real talent, and I can completely agree with, with Cy in terms of how difficult it will be for Chelsea to shift some of the deadwood, and we we, we say say every time every, as we approach every transfer window, we just, just you know, yes, we got to they got to shift all those players that are. Well, they're, they're all massive money. They're, it's it's near impossible to shift them in a way that is that is efficient and that Chelsea would find acceptable, as I think we're going to come on to with some of the other loans that are out there who are players in their late 20s and don't clearly don't have long-term futures at Chelsea. But people like Brower and, and Gallagher should have futures at Chelsea. They should be in the team in the years ahead. But they may well be suffering because... Of some of the decisions made in the transfer market in the last few years.
2: The other thing about Bro that's remarkable is that he actually started the season with Hassan Huttle basically saying, I don't know why they signed this guy. <laughs> uh and, and sort of questioning, you know, his attitude a little bit, that perhaps he did walk in going, I'm the Chelsea man, I'm I'm better than everybody, blah, blah, blah. Which which perhaps he, he didn't train, he wasn't training that well apparently. But again, credit to him because, you know, that that was a loan that could have been going drastically wrong. But he's turned it around remarkably to sort of being out the side and playing the odd League Cup game in the early rounds to now being a vital member of that side. Shows a lot for his character. And uh, loans going drastically
1: wrong links me nicely into our next player, uh, Billy Gilmore. Dom, how big of a setback has this season been for him? He's, he's been in the team more under Dean Smith, but he's still playing for for a rubbish team and for a fan base who don't appreciate him. Is it is it character building or is it is it damaging?
3: I think we have to be a bit careful on 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 the fan base not appreciating him. I mean, there was weirdly actually, I'll use the two examples when I saw him. In the flesh, at Palace Norwich games. And the first one at at Solos Park in December, where the supporters did turn on him, um, and they singled him out as a yeah as a Chelsea player that was there for the short term. That they weren't they would were, they were they were developing a player for another club, and he wasn't doing the business as far as they were concerned. And they expected an awful lot more. And they made their frustrations i think their frustrations at the entire team and club at that time they they sort of centred them upon the the young low knee, unfairly but you know that that was just the sense of a of a club that was deeply deeply frustrated and disillusioned with the way the season was going now they have had a, an upturn of results of late i don't think they're quite as hopeless as as they might have appeared if uh, say a month or six weeks back I still think they they're going to go down and and Newcastle's revival is has really hurt them but um I was at the Road again last week and, and Billy Gilmore came on and the, certainly the fans around around me and I was in the I was lucky enough to be a a guest of Brian Gunn's up in the up in the in the in the stand and they were more just all toss that hand. in casually just, <laughs> just, wow, that the lob that remember yeah. the gun club beforehand <laughs> yeah there you go Put that um, name up off the studio floor straight away. <laughs> <laughs> But he but but the supporters around around us, and admittedly they were probably you know parents of plenty of the players around us, um, you know, they, they applauded him onto the pitch. They they wanted him in the team, they were surprised he hadn't started that game. Because he had made a bit of an an impact in the in the matches he, he'd he played um immediately before that that fixture. Um so this is an education for him. It's not going to be easy for these kids to to go out on on loan to all and sundry in the in the Premier League. Where let's be honest, most Premier League clubs lose more than they win. That's that's the reality of it. And and it'll actually hopefully make him a more rounded individual, a more a better footballer for the experience of of playing in a team that is struggling. And maybe he has to try and. I don't know pull up some trees and 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 show the the character that, again a bit like Broghar, that show that he's a Chelsea player wearing the the shirt of, of another of another club a, a team that isn't quite as good as as Chelsea's but he should treat it as an education and just continue giving his all which he looked as if he was when he came on in that match to be fair and I, I, he didn't look too downcast with it with his lot he's He's got plenty of ability, and I suspect if he's not at Chelsea next season, there'll be another loan spell, and maybe at a club that might might stay up. You know, if Palace don't get Conor Gallagher, it was not outlandish to suspect they get blooming Billy Gilmore instead. So, I mean, it's it's still plenty going on going right for him in his in his career, and he's just got to use this as an experience to as an education.
2: I, I think he's just been a victim of his own ridiculous success, and Norwich fans expected this kind of. World class guy that was going to single handedly keep them up in the in the Premier League, which is ridiculous. But I I still think it's it's actually a really been a really positive experience that he himself has has learnt that it's not all you know it's not all fine and dandy. You are going to have times. You've got to learn from this stuff and and don't forget as well. You've got to throw in his experience for this season of playing for Scotland in helping them. Potentially qualify for a World Cup. He's played in every game in, in their World Cup qualifiers, of course, got a massive playoff. Um the playoffs coming next month. Um so I, I think overall, I think it's been a it's been a different, a different sort of um education for him this season. But it's been the f- the first time he's he's had to play regularly in the Premier League as well, don't forget. He's only had the odd sort of sort of cameos with Chelsea every now and then. I think Chelsea will actually be quite happy in a weird kind of way that he's that he's that they've watched him having to cope with adversity for the first time, and he had I think overall he has handled himself pretty well. He's, there's been no sort of show, signs of dissent. He's not been sort of moaning at the fans and, and how they've treated him or perhaps treated him. I think he'll come back to Chelsea a better player. Again, though, big decision in the summer. He's only got a year left in his contract. I'm sure Chelsea will extend it. Or if they do sell him, which sounds bonkers, if they do sell him, yeah, it would be back to you know the old buyback clause once again for for a reasonable amount of money.
3: I'd reiterate that what Sae says about about the this, this being his sort of first prolonged stint of Premier League football. We, you know, Sai says he's. he's how phenomenally a victim of his own success. He, he hasn't had that much success. Let's not let's not get carried away. He had those brilliant performances just before first lockdown under Lampard. I think there were Liverpool in the League Cup and Everton in the league, and, and he just looked outstanding. But he's never had a period in the team where he's played ten games in a row in the Premier League where he's been absolutely integral and fantastic. He's never he's never done that in his career. He's only twenty. He's that's still to come, and we, we've only seen flashes of his his real ability maybe they've maybe they set the bar maybe expectations were were raised too much by the you know the excellence of those performances against the two teams from merseyside but but we a player's real quality is measured in consistency over a period of time and he just hasn't had that yet um hopefully that opportunity arises at some point in the future
1: Uh, Meanwhile, in the EFL, Levi Colwell earning rave reviews at Huddersfield. He's currently injured, though. Uh, Tino Andrin yet to debut for them, having joined on loan. Last month A couple of low goalies Who have been doing pretty well Jamie Cumming Swapped to relegation scrap With Gillingham For a promotion push With MK Dons in January He's kept four clean sheets In his first seven games For them And Nathan Baxter Was having a decent season In the Championship With Hull But a change of manager there Has seen him Lose his place I wanted to talk too About Ian Martson Who overcame The career killer That is a, a visit From Fyfield <laughs> Back in the Coventry team And he got the Winner at Reading Last week Weekend. I wonder, Simon, have either Martin or, or Emerson got a chance of being back in the Chelsea squad as, as cover next season? Obviously Chelsea made a big push to get Emerson back, didn't they, in January? Uh,
2: with Chelsea anything's possible. Um <laughs> I say that with the resigned. Um look, Emerson the question mark is will Leon trigger the the, the clause that's that's in the in the loan deal to make it permanent um, they have had an injection of cash from Newcastle, which, which may sort of help in that regard. But certainly uh, when I was sort of doing that piece in January about why Emerson's probably not going to return, I was being told, yeah, they, they, they're they likely to keep him to the end of the season, but there's a question mark about whether they actually buy him permanently. So yes, if he comes back, back in the same situation. Um, and then it's Alonso, Emerson, Chilwell... And that automatically leads you on to Emerson. And sort of, well, where, where's there room for him to play? Even if even if Emerson goes, where's there room for him to play? So I I, I really can't see it. I can't see a pathway for Emerson basically. And they're also looking at um, um, Stuttgart's left back. Um, so again, that that sends out a what's the name, say? Si? <laughs> I've got Abu Dhabi fog. It's. <laughs> They'll get fucking Abu Dhabi fire. So come yeah. on, it's born at so, sauna, isn't it? Sauna. Oh no, born a Sosa, Croatian. Born a Sosa. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, thanks, Dom. And. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> The quiz hasn't started yet. I, I
1: thought he did very well in his 18 under 21 caps for Croatia, the last of which was on the 12th of November
2: 2020. I mean, don't trust Wiki. Come, come prepared or don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I think we've proved that over the last few years um, on this show. Uh, but um, so, yeah, I I, I can't, um, I can't see, I think Ian Martin is going to be another loan. Um, also, don't forget that He's showing what he can do in the championship. I think if you if you're going to have a chance of making it at Chelsea, your next step is to try, is to then go on a loan in, in the Premier League and and sort of go down the route that Mason Mount has gone on, um, although he didn't didn't go on loan in the Premier League. I hasten to add, but you know, sort of making those that Conor Gallagher, of course, that we talked about. So I, I would imagine he'll go on on a loan again.
3: Surely the the likes of Emerson are actually the type of Player that Chelsea should be trying to shift, like they shouldn't oh, be working in sure. the back. I mean, it's, I mean, if Leon did come up with any kind of deal, you you surely bite the hand off. Given that Ben Chilwell will be back soon, and you've got Marcus Alonso on the books already, and and you're obviously buying players from from Germany whose names we can't remember. Um, it's you know, it's it's. it's, it's well, maybe we'll come on to Michi Batshuayi as well, but that's the type of player that doesn't have a long term future at Chelsea. they're they've hit a ceiling and if the ceiling is in Emerson's case you can be the third choice wing back who who comes in when the other two or well, one of them's long term injured and the other one needs a rest then surely that isn't particularly productive for his future or indeed for given the outlay that the club have, have, have spent on him for for Chelsea either
2: and and perhaps the the, the piece that that delighted Chelsea fans the most was when I asked him from Abu Dhabi was when I asked about asked Marcus Alonso whether he fancied doing an Aspira and staying for a decade, <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so, so um, I think I think there was an element of of Chelsea almost wanting to keep Emerson over Alonso, but the one they could do a deal for was 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 Emerson. So that's one to sort of see which one of those two go, but Marcus sort of seemed to imply pretty heavily that he's very happy where he is and actually wants to extend his stay rather than go anywhere else. Who can blame him? I mean, he's, he's winning trophies. Um, he's, he's obviously on a nice salary and, and life at Chelsea is, is, is pretty nice, thank you very much.
1: Worked out well for him. Not so much for the last player we're going to touch on, Dom. Mishibachwai, I uh, don't know if you remember, he once scored the goal that won Chelsea the title. Uh, he's currently at Besiktas. He's got nine goals. Would that be enough to make them... Turn it into a permanent deal because surely next year somebody's got to. You, you can't just keep going on loan every year at his age.
3: Well, logic suggests that you can't but you'd imagine that on the on the salary that he commands and the outlay that Chelsea have, have put on him over the years and not least with, the, I think it was 30 odd million to sign him from Marseille in the first place, uh, that they would still be asking for a hefty amount of money to take him off, well, for him to for him to leave, even with twelve months on his on his contract, I, I imagine that they probably look for twenty million still, and I'm not sure that Besiktas would have that kind of money. It's it's this is this is almost typical of of <laughs> of this game that Chelsea play, where you know if there's interest out there every year to um, f- for a club to take him on loan, then they'll just continue giving him another twelve month contract and you know park him off in in Turkey with a nice hefty. Loan fee and his wages covered by the by the club he's he's gone to, and they'll just part the issue down the line for another year. Um, it's that is his existence; that's been his existence for years. It's weird when you look at his career. I mean, I I remember him fondly from his first stint on loan at Palace, but he didn't score that many. I think he's got five in about 12, 13 games in that in that stint. The only times he's actually been prolific in his career were I think one season at Marseille under Marcello Bielsa. And a very productive spell in Germany with Borussia Dortmund on loan for about six months, um, and it's almost like he's obviously done well for Belgium and he's as a sort of the backup striker to to Lukaku and 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 competing with a and a Benteke or something like that for, as, a, as a number two, but but it's almost like his reputation is still hinges on on the goals he scored in Ligue One quite a long time ago now, so. You know, he, he's done a right a issues. I was talking to someone about him yesterday. He's, he's he's done okay, but that's the Turkish league. I mean, Alexander Surles scored 20 odd goals in the Turkish league. <laughs> let's let's not get carried away.
2: Um, just a quick one on on Mishy by my own worth. Um, in, in a way, his example sums up sort of what happens both on the Chelsea front and the player front. On the player front, was on good money. Why? Why push himself? Lost his hunger, in the grand scheme of things, um, and he's just happy to go on this conveyor belt of loans and stuff. He's not really pushing, make, not really sort of making big song and dance about leaving. But the the Dortmund the Dortmund loan is a classic example of Chelsea's expectations and 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 sort of coming back to bite them. In that one source told me at the time, I think that because Dortmund were very keen to to buy him permanently. And a source told me that they're asking for £50 million. Dortmund just laughed.
1: They don't pay <laughs> that for anyone, do they? Well, Never well mind Palace, Palace was away.
3: quoted about £40 million pounds to take him at the start of last yeah. season. And that Crazy. was when he had 12 months to go on his contract initially. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. So it sums up, like, we all get Chelsea of business and, of course, aim high, you, you know, yeah, don't ask, don't get, all that. But there's also a, come on, you know, get with it get with the program (laughs) there's no one gonna no one's gonna spend that amount of money on a player that is clearly you don't want and and also you send out that message by loaning these guys out every year that actually don't have to buy them we can just just wait long enough and they'll loan them out for us and probably pay some of their wages and we'll get a really lovely deal out of it and get a a senior pro for, 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 for hardly any money at all. So, Chelsea, the way they run things sometimes, they don't help themselves.
1: He's 28, <laughs> uh-huh. Mishi um, Amazing.
2: He- Oh, think that wouldn't think one more thing. Just be on loan at that age. I think we should always <laughs> highlight the fact he costs more than Angolo Conte.
1: <laughs> well, at least that Dortmund move, I guess, kind of facilitated Giroud coming in, didn't it? And he proved to be a useful player for very true for Chelsea for a couple of years. Uh, right, we'll check in on the loan army again at some point this season, I'm sure.
0: But next today, it is the return of the quiz.
1: been a tough one for me this uh, regular listeners will know we like to theme the quiz on the upcoming fixture which would appear to give Dom an advantage but we shall see oh uh, three questions then on Chelsea and Crystal Palace Simon you're up first uh, who made what is so far his only appearance for Chelsea this season when the teams met on opening day at the bridge
2: it's just we've just been talking about him
1: Emerson Emerson is correct. Uh, yeah, as soon as I read that question out, I thought we've literally just been talking about <laughs> Okay. Uh, Dom, you're up. our Azpilicueta, as we know, has won it all. He's also been sent off at Crystal Palace. It happened in October 2014. Three Damn. minutes after Dave got his marching orders, Palace also had a man sent yeah. off. Name him.
3: Damien Delaney.
1: Damien Delaney. This is going to be far too easy. I'm really... Um, Really losing my head here. Uh, Simon, second question. Hopefully, this is a difficult one. Chelsea's biggest win against Palace was a 6 2 thumping in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge in oh, 1998. Uh, in the Blues lineup that day was a defender who would go on to play for Palace, making more appearances for them than for anyone else he played for. Who was he? That's the kind of noise I like to hear after finishing a quiz question.
2: 98. <laughs>
1: One-one oh. after a question each, so this feels big. Well, particularly against the Palace fan. Yeah, and Dom's next question is the one that producer Lucy said is far too easy. He'll so, know uh, this.
3: I was working for Palace at that 6 <laughs> two. I was in the press box. How much chance um, have I got? And uh, it was such a nightmare. And after, after the game, um, Steve Koppel was holding various meetings with various members of the Palace board and given they were in the throes of a takeover at the time I don't know which chairman he was talking to but um, he, he he was so late to his press conference that I, I missed my last train home and ended up having to get a taxi all the way back to uh, to Norwood that massive expense
1: oh, they say nurses have it tough there you go Simon Dom's just bought you a load of time
2: <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm struggling to even look it's not right you say defender yeah it's not right but I'm just trying to think of an old player that went and played more for Palace. I'm just going to say David Hopkins, even though I know it's not right. Wasn't a defender, so no, not right. Uh, Dom. Was Danny Granville. Of
3: course. Glorious yeah. free kick against Millwall once. Oh. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> nice father Danny. Uh, <laughs> right, here's your easy one then, Dom. Uh, Kurt Zuma as we know, is an idiot. Uh, despite that, he <laughs> scored for Chelsea at Selhurst Park last season. Yeah. The question is, though, what breed of cat is the pet that was taken away from him by the RSPCA oh. last week?
3: <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if that's the easy one, then then <laughs> I have deliberately stayed. I was so horrified by that story. I can't bring myself to watch the video, and I can't even bring myself to even read about the story. So uh, I'm going to hand this over to size as a complete open goal. Over to you, mate. I have no idea.
2: Likewise, I, I I remember reading the story, but it was some weird, you know, special cat, isn't it? It's an expensive one, not like a the special kind of, cat. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean, like a a, a nice breed, not the sort of uh, tom cat that I'd probably get if I was if my wife allowed me to have a pet.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you've not got the question right, but I think you've got the title of the podcast nailed there with special cat, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the answer was a Bengal cat. It oh,
4: was a
0: Bengal.
1: Good. Okay, so uh, it's two one to Don because you pitched the Danny Granville point, didn't you? So Simon, you need to you need to get this right to uh, maintain a, a chance. Really, what percentage of Christian Pulisic's Chelsea goals have been scored against Palace? A percentage, <laughs> please.
2: Percentage. Yeah. Cool. That's a really. So, impressive. so you got to figure out how many goals he scored against Palace. Then how many goals he scored total? It's a
1: difficult question. I'm, I'm not denying that, but you know we, the standard has difficult, been raised so difficult high. The I last don't think of weeks.
2: actually does justice to this question. <laughs> um,
3: are you talking Premier League goals or all goals?
1: All of uh, Christian Pulisic's Chelsea goals. Okay. So, so of the total, what percentage was scored? So he's Crystal been Packs. at
2: the club. So he joined in. Join 1920. 1920. So it's two and a half seasons of which he spent about two years injured. So. Uh oh. I've probably upset the American listeners now. Um, I think he he's scored quite a lot against Palace. He's got a good record. I'm going to go 30%. Done.
3: I'm just trying to work out how many it's goals he scored. Right. I reckon he scored
2: four. <laughs> uh,
3: oh, no, he's probably he's probably scored five against Palace, and I reckon he's probably got twenty altogether. So, twenty-five um, percent.
1: That is absolutely spot on. Five of his 20 goals have been scored against Crystal Palace. That is magnificent. I think that means that you've won, Don. but I'm going to ask you the last question anyway. Maybe Simon can steal it to get a bit of respectability. (laughs) I'm going. (laughs) See you, bye. Right, here's the final question of this week's quiz. In his Premier League career, Christian Benteke has scored seven goals in 13 games against Chelsea. It's the joint most goals he scored against an opponent in the Premier League. So who else has Benteke scored seven Premier League goals against?
3: Mm. majority must have been for Villa because he's hardly scored any goals for Palace (laughs) Um, I remember him scoring a hatchery against QPR so let's say QPR
1: QPR is incorrect Simon can you steal it
2: Man United
1: no alright I want somebody to get this so I will tell you it is a team who are currently in League One Sunderland Sunderland is correct. Yeah. Well, Dom, you've won this week's quiz. Congratulations.
3: Thank you very much. I'd like to uh, say thanks. Well, the, to... the
2: palace quiz, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
3: one of the questions was about
2: a cat. <laughs>
1: Uh, but the others some of them were about the Eagles so there's your link um, right elsewhere in Chelsea news no action for the women's team this weekend they're on an international break uh, there is however a massive matchup for the under 23s on Friday night Andy Myers boys currently in the relegation zone in PL2 ahead of their game against Spurs at Kings Meadow lost three of their last four only seven more games to place so they really need to start picking up points otherwise they will drop into division two next season you can watch that one live on Chelsea's online platforms it's a seven o'clock kickoff uh, the under 18s also have a game they're away to Reading on Saturday morning currently third in the under 18 at Premier League South could be top by the end of the day if they win and other results go their way uh, worth pointing out by the way the Youth Cup quarter final will take place at Stamford Bridge on Thursday of next week it's against Blackpool that's also seven o'clock kickoff uh, Simon thank you you've written the piece that I've been waiting for somebody at the Athletic to write for absolutely ages the football icon story I remember watching the series tell us a bit more about it
2: yeah, I've interviewed Carl Magne, um, who won the second series, and um, it's a classic sliding doors moment in, in so many ways, because um, he went um, on a trial, the, the Newcastle leg of the, the trial that the TV show ran, and he was going to go home, because um, he turned up and he just saw this long queue and just went, oh, stuff this. Um, and he was walking with his dad back to his car, and uh, his mate sort of lets out a whistle and... His mate was at the front of the queue and says, come jump in with me. And um, Disgraceful, that, by the way. That's not accurate. <laughs> you can imagine all those people <laughs> Imagine all those people behind who sort of went on to realise, yeah, that, that guy went on to win. But, yeah, uh, fascinating sort of insight. One, into the TV programme. I mean, imagine sort of being in a sort of X Factor, Big Brother-style show in itself as a footballer, but secondly with this, this big prize at the end of it um of of winning a contract at Chelsea and this was Chelsea in the early years of of Abramovich and Mourinho remarkable um and and Carl is uh yeah he talks great about what it was like in the house what it what what he sort of experienced on a sort of day-to-day basis at Chelsea sort of getting absolutely shouted at the the reaction of the current players, the youth and reserve players that these guys had to go and play with. And you can imagine the sort of reception that the these sort of TV contestants were were getting from the likes of we're talking, you know, some guys that went on to have a great pro career and sort of Jack Cork, Scott Sinclair, um, there's a few others. And he went on to play in a very fine youth team. He actually sent me a picture and it's posted on the on the piece with and he's there with sort of Gal Kakuta and all kinds of names. Gal Kikita obviously made a name for many other reasons. But um, real talented guys. Um, and, and then the, what, what's really nice as well about the story is that he now works for the club. So even though his pro career wasn't didn't go as well as he'd hoped because he, he picked up injuries, he now works for the club and so does the winner of the first series, Sam Harrell. And, and I just think that it's just a great story all around that this show basically changed these guys' lives because um, it wasn't working out for them until they entered. Um, So I had great fun doing it as well. Yeah, I really like reading it. You should definitely
1: check it out. Listenerathletic.com slash Pod. the place to go to sign up if you aren't a subscriber. What are you working on at the moment, Dom?
3: I'm just writing up an interview with Joe Cole, um, talking about his reminiscing of his year at uh, Lille on loan from Liverpool. Um, ahead of Chelsea's game against Lille next week in the Champions League. Um, I was lucky enough to go and visit him in France a little over 10 years ago, just as he was settling in there, and we sort of revisited that, that occasion uh, this week. And um, it, Joe Joe's just a lovely, lovely fella and, and always interesting to listen to, so I'm hoping that that interview sings.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to reading that as well. Uh, Liam's got a piece up on Chelsea's peripheral trophy winners. Your, your Rob Greens, your, your 2012 Lukaku's, that kind of thing. Uh, and in deference to what Cesar Azpilicueta did in the Club World Cup final, Nick Miller's written about the rise of the decoy penalty taker. So check that out too, athletic.com slash Pod, the place to go uh, if you would like to subscribe. If you're not already a subscriber, you can read all of our articles on Chelsea as well as everything else on the site. Use that link, athletic.com slash Pod. Right now, you can sign up for a special special price of just one pound a month for six months it's the slash chelsea pod to go to sign up uh, we'll be back on monday to reflect on palace and look ahead to the return of the champions league until then many thanks to dom simon lucy and to you listening we'll catch up with you monday have a world-class weekend bye for now
0: the athletic